This episode of Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Balesa.co, the premier destination in porn for women. Balesa brings you the hottest free porn videos that prioritize female pleasure. Just as steamy, they have some of the best erotic fiction on the web. And now, finally, sex toys! Balesa just launched their signature line of sex toys, as well as a curated selection of the best, most exclusive sex toys available online. Use the code HOLLY15 at checkout to get 15% off your order today. Amazing vibrators and totally simple to use, the Balesa line is perfect for both first-timers and pros. Vibrators, couples toys, butt plugs, you name it. Visit balesa.co slash store and use code HOLLY15 at checkout to get 15% off your new toy today. That's B-E-L-L-E-S-A dot C-O slash store with coupon code HOLLY15 for 15% off. Everybody, I am so fucking excited because I am relaunching my website, hollyrandall.com. I have finally taken it back after five years of having another company run it, and it is now 100% under my control, and I couldn't be more excited. So please support me and go and join my new website. That's hollyrandall.com. And I will love you forever. And if you don't want to join my website, but you want to support this podcast, you can always go to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. And I will take your money there as well. And I will love it just as much. So thank you guys so much for your support. And support me at hollyrandall.com. Today on Holly Randall Unfiltered, I have Axel Braun. Axel Braun is a multi-award winning director in the industry. He's currently under contract with Wicked Pictures. He's very well known for making his huge parody movies such as Suicide Squad, Triple X, Star Wars, Triple X, and so on and so forth. This guy is a prolific worker and very well respected in the industry. I'm very excited to have him here. It's a great honor. So please, everybody, welcome Axel Braun. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today in the studio, I have multiple, multiple, multiple award-winning director, Axel Braun. Hi, Axel. Hi, Arlene. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <coughs> Thank you for coming. You know, it's kind of funny. We ran in, I ran into him in the lobby and she was like, Hey, then I gave him a hug. And then we both were like, wait a minute. We've never met before, but it like feels Crazy. like, of course. Cause I like, I've heard about you for so long. We've both been in the industry Same for so here, long. Of course. So it's like, and we have so much in common. I mean, we were second generation. Right. People. So like sitting in front of you now, actually, I'm like, how have we never met before? But <laughs> I guess it makes sense because we're on only on our own sets. Right. So like, you know, right. where would we meet as opposed to, Industry right. events, which I generally don't go to very often. Same here. So, so yeah. So um, I was reading your article in ABN that just came out, um, the Braun effect, and um, you have a very interesting family history and an interesting way that you got into the industry. So why don't yeah, you tell us about yeah. that? So well, it, 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 first of all, my father started producing and directing adult movies in 1961, mm-hmm. and and the way that happened is that uh, he had some friends in uh, in Belgium who were printing uh, nudie magazines, and mm-hmm. at the time it was illegal everywhere. So um, 
he had a diplomatic passport and diplomatic license plates because my grandfather was a, a diplomat. So he met these guys and uh, and they go like, oh no, we have we have this magazine that we just sell to our friends here, but we we have so many requests from uh, you know from other countries, but we can't we can we can bring them there. It's illegal. And my father thought, well, you know, I have a. I have a car with diplomatic plates. They can't search me at customs, so they need to salute me and let me go. Oh. And so he just started smuggling these, uh, <laughs> these amazing. magazines. That's amazing. Uh, right? <laughs> and, um, and it became like, there was so much demand. Think about it. It's the mm-hmm. 60s, and, and there's a lot of demand. The, the, the times were right, and, uh, and there was nothing like that. So he started uh, smuggling these this, this magazines, and then all of a sudden he, he decided to do a... To do a test and to uh, to do a, some kind of market research and see if there was demand for uh, movies because they didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he took out a really small ad in an Italian newspaper and uh, and in the classified section, very very small, and said uh, adult movies from Sweden. Just because Sweden back then was the epitome of uh, you know uh, uh, sexually liberated young right. women who were, you know and. Um, and so it said for catalogs, send the equivalent of what would be today twenty bucks yeah. to this PO box in Stockholm, Sweden. So he right. took out a PO box, and then you know a few weeks go by, and he calls to see if you know a rotary phone and communication, yeah. <laughs> you know, and calls to see if uh, if there's any uh, if there's any mail for him. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the owner freaks out at him, like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't you do? We have three shopping carts full of mail. You paid for a small mailbox. I'm gonna incinerate all this stuff unless you." It's like three shopping carts full of stuff, and each envelope had like whatever is twenty bucks today. Wow. So it was a, a, a nice amount of money yeah. out of nowhere. Of course, yeah. there were there was no catalog and there were right. no movies. <laughs> so, it's like, oh shit, I better so make like, something. Whoa. Yeah, so so you figure like, what do I do? And again, you know, nobody had any idea on. How to how to approach this? Mm-hmm. So he took a he took a super eight millimeter camera and actually took three of them and filmed himself with his girlfriend um, having sex, dressed like uh, you know she was dressed like Madame Butterfly and he was dressed as Pinkerton and and they <laughs> shot this thing in a hotel room in Monte Carlo and uh, you know he had one of the one of the cameras on a tripod, uh, one camera he was holding himself and one camera was propped on a on a, a curtain rod and he was pulling from a side to pan. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> Ridiculous, right? That's amazing. So that was like the very first thing that he shot. And and then from then, he... Did you ever see it, by the way? Sadly, I have. Uh, (laughs) It's one of those things you cannot unsee. (laughs) (laughs) I saw it a long time ago. Um, and uh, and then he started doing all these this production that were I mean oddly enough if you think about it his very first movie was a parody it was a parody of Madame Butterfly you yeah. know like uh, go figure at some point it becomes my my claim to fame is the parodies you yeah know? yeah so, yeah but 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 the truth is the parodies and porn have always been there's a huge history and they it, it went in waves you know like in the eighties and the nine I mean they keep coming back at some point they become super popular then nobody cares anymore then right. they so if you think about the saturation, it was like only three years ago, four years ago. It's like, oh my god, everybody's making parodies of everything, mm-hmm. and then of course it, you know, it, it just it just dilutes the, you know, and um, but there's yeah, also so it, a lot of really bad parodies being made yeah. That's too. that's the problem. That's yeah. the problem, you know. And, and when everybody starts doing something, I remember you know back in the days when I was doing the, you know, the the first thing that I did that was a, uh, uh, you know. Uh, 
more polarizing than just anything else was quoting movies. And when I started doing that, it became a huge hit. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, a year later, every girl just goes, drinks a gallon of water and pees and clear squirts. and becomes squirting. Yeah, right. So <laughs> it, I lost interest very, very quickly. What is your uh, opinion on squirting, by the way? Do you think it's a real thing or not? Because I oh, feel absolutely. like it's such a controversy. Well, well okay, so... Um, I wrote two books on the subject, actually, in you? Italy. I published two books on, uh, on female ejaculation <laughs> a long really? time ago. Yes. That's two? How I, yeah. There's yeah, enough material yeah. that you could write oh, two books. Oh, there's plenty of material. And, and you see, the, the way I approach it, it became a really, uh, you know, a, a big deal for me back, back when I discovered it. And, um, and I approached it in a, in a, in an interesting, uh, from an interesting angle. I, uh, there's certain things that society, that the system, uh, they don't want you to know. They don't want you to, uh, to see for some reason. If you, if you, I, I always make this, bring this example. Um, the lion is mm-hmm. the king of the forest, king of the jungle, whatever right. it is, right? And, and you start thinking about it. It's like, well, why is that? I mean, it's, is he, Stronger is he faster? Not really. He doesn't even hunt. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 lioness hunts. Mm-hmm. He just sits there yeah. and eats and doesn't really do anything. I mean, he has a big, you know, mane of hair mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But you know, uh, a rhino is way more uh, terrifying and more strong and more. You know, there's yes. why is the lion just the king of the forest? The, the reality is that uh, when the lioness goes in heat, he fucks her. About 150 times a day, very quickly, obviously, <laughs> but 150 times uh, a week. Wow. So it, it's, it's, it's that, if you put that in perspective and see what uh, uh, something like this does to the way we want society to work, mm-hmm. and suddenly we see that there's a, you know, a female who is a, you know, sexually submissive to a man that just requires, uh, you know, food basically to be brought mm-hmm. to her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that w- somehow we don't want to bring out, you know. It's just mm-hmm. that there's so many of these, these instances. Like, you know, if you think about uh, um, Christianity, mm-hmm. um, the, the, what we have is, is this, this idea that, um, you know, for for believers, uh, Jesus was nailed to the cross. Mm-hmm. That goes completely against the actual crucifixion uh, uh, thing because crucifixion was extremely painful because just by uh, being tied to the cross, mm-hmm. you would slowly die from a detachment of internal organs. That's yeah. how it worked. Yeah. Nailing him would have achieved the opposite effect. You just mm-hmm. stay there and you're sitting basically, you're propped with this thing under his feet and mm-hmm. the reality is that they were hanging. So things that the system, they don't want you to know for some reason. And, and female ejaculation is one of them because uh, somehow if you, if you look at men and you see, uh, you know, the ejaculation mm-hmm. is like, you know, Kind of like the measure of a man. It's, it's this. It's this. Yeah. You know, symbol of something, the yeah. seed, and you know, and it's also and, like kind of a final, like right? thing. It's like the closing exactly. act, exactly. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and so for for society to think that women can have something similar to that was not acceptable, and 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 still is taboo in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And but but no, the reality is that you know there was a book written by uh, some American. Uh, researchers back in the days, and um, and they did all these studies, and they realized that about twenty percent. They they determined that about twenty percent of women 
can experience female ejaculation doing mm-hmm. doing doing um doing sex. And um I started researching this and I realized that it's not true. All women can uh experience this. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a matter of, you know, stimulating the right way. Mm-hmm. And um so no, I, I it it is absolutely real. The problem is that it's very easy to fake. Yes. And uh, and you know, uh so it's so, become like kind of a circus trick now. Yeah. And when yeah. it became that kind of you know, when you see a, a girl shooting from here to the wall, yeah. uh, that is not how it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> there's definitely been some squirting so, and then I'm oh, just yeah. like, there's no way. Oh, yeah. There's no way that's and, happy. And at some point and at some point it, it's just like, you know, that's when I lost interest. We we did this series for when I was a new sensations and it was called Squirting One O One. And it was I had a great time doing it because it really showed, I mean, we would not cut the camera. We would take girls to the bathroom. We would have them go pee without mm-hmm. cutting. We would come mm-hmm. back. And then they, they'd never done it before. And then somebody would, you know, step in and, and they would they would experience female education. And uh, um, the reaction varies from, oh, my God, this is like the best thing that happened to me in, in my whole life to like, Okay, that was weird. To mm-hmm. like, uh, okay, okay, that's that's I don't know, that, that that hurts. Whatever, yeah, you yeah, know, it's yeah, just yeah. like when you don't know what what an orgasm is. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about it the first time. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I should I should talk about it from a male perspective. The first time a man ex- experiences ejaculation is mm-hmm. usually puberty, prepuberty, whatever it right. is. They don't know that that's if they don't know that's supposed to happen. Something's supposed to come out. It's right. like. Oh my God! What was that? What's going on? Yeah. You know, because you're you don't know. You're afraid of the unknown. You don't you don't know what kind of feeling. You don't know how to process it. Yeah. So you know that's the same thing. Uh, but no, female ejaculation is is very real. Um, it requires, uh, you know, your 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 mind needs to be in tune with it. You you need to to have this um, to be in 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 synchrony with your partner. I mean, there's a lot of a yeah. lot of things. I've had a lot of boyfriends try to get me to score it, and like I can't. Like I'll get there, but then I feel like I'm going to pee, and I just shut down. Uh, of I'm course, like, uh-uh, I don't of wanna, course, yeah. of so course. So I'm like one of those people. But apparently, I did score it once. But I was my ex boyfriend told me, but I was super drunk and I don't remember. <laughs> But apparently, I did. But never since then. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's and, and again, it's it's easy to to confuse it with pain. Very easy, mm-hmm. and uh, so. But but yeah, you know, it's it's a, a very it's a very strong. It can be a very strong sensation. It can be a very strong, very powerful orgasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's anything that is pleasurable. If put it in the wrong context, suddenly it's not. Right. You know, you can. Uh, you know, I appreciate anal play, but uh, you know, if you're talking here, all of a sudden somebody sticks a finger up your ass, like, whoa! What yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> right. not me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, surprise anal, no right? One likes that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but no, uh, and and then so my father started making all these movies that became uh, incredibly successful because at the time there was no competition, there mm-hmm. was nobody doing them, mm-hmm. and um, they were all like big productions. All sh- they they were all like nine minutes long because that's how long mm-hmm. you know the. the Eight millimeter camera, yeah. Film. And then you edited it by actually cutting the film. Right. It's crazy because oh, yeah. my oh, parents yeah. made a couple movies back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was a such a different era. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was such a it was really a a, a counterculture phenomenon. I, I remember and my my father was, you know, he was hanging out with movie stars and people like it was just like they they perceived erotica back in those days in just a different way, you know, mm-hmm. and, and especially for people like, you know, your mom did so, 
you know, such beautiful and such interesting work. You know, mm-hmm. it just like it, it was polarizing. It was not just okay. We are like just throwing naked people yeah. somewhere. You know, yeah. there was a there was a, a thought behind, and then there was a a mission. You know, right. to to legitimize certain things. And to my father saw it as a revolution. He wanted to revolutionize, change the world by. Uh, having sex being accepted on a wider scale. I mean, his dream was always to have like a mainstream movie with explicit sex, which wow. to some degree it happened, not not with, you know, yeah. like uh, uh, Hollywood movie stars. I mean, kind of, you know, Lars von Trier with Nymphomaniac and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it pushed the boundaries. It's it's kind of its own thing. It's never, you know, it's not we're going to have, you know, uh, you know, Jennifer Lawrence do an explicit sex scene with Chris right. Pratt or anything right. like that. So. But um, but yeah. So back in the days, it was it was definitely uh, just uh, uh, the business was so big that you didn't focus on it. You didn't focus on let's try to squeeze every dime we can out of this, and let's try to shrink the budget to where we can uh, be more profitable. It's just right. like let's do something awesome, mm-hmm. and uh, the money was coming. So yeah. you know, different times. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so he started making these movies and he started distributing these movies all over all over Europe and and quickly I mean I think in 11 months he had bought a castle in in Breda which is uh, oh it's near near um, Amsterdam and uh, and he had a 24/7 production going on I mean they were filming nonstop it was like a huge operation just just like that and uh, and then he came here and he went to see Ruben Sturman uh, who, who was a, a man who had a lot of bookstores around the United uh, States? I remember uh, him, right? Yeah, you know, he used I'm to sure give you... my parents suitcases full of cash to make movies. Right? Yeah. yeah, same same with my dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the suitcase, <laughs> and, and and you see, the problem is that bringing them here from from overseas was an issue. So mm-hmm. there were all sorts of little. Uh, tricks that they used to make sure that the product came in here. It was it was fascinating, and 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 my dad brought to Ruben this idea. I said, like you know, I have all these eight millimeter loops, and you have all these bookstores, and uh, what if we just build inside the bookstores? The we we just three walls and we put a little projector that people can put a coin and lock the door and we put some uh, some tissues and some lube in it and people can have privacy and uh, mm-hmm. masturbate like and uh, so they they partner up with this thing which became known as the peep show machines and uh, it was that's col- amazing colossal, that came from your colossal business from your father yeah wow yeah. funny right yeah, yeah i mean that was so and and <laughs> today thing. nobody really you know, unless you have a uh, history like you have and you know yeah. what they are. You ask anybody, uh, you know, in their 20s, peep show machines, like, huh? Yeah, what's, I know, exactly. You know, right? They don't even know what the cassette tape is. Right, so. right, right, VHS. <laughs> right. But, yeah, so it, it was um, it was a, a fantastically uh, exciting time to, to be in the sex business, you know. And, and you know, it, it evolved so much. I've been doing this... Um, um, this is 29 years. So next AVN show will be my 30th AVN show wow. that I attend. Right? Crazy. In September will be 20 years for me. Oh my god! I know, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> so, so, and and so you've seen you've seen the the way it keeps changing. Yeah. And. Now it changes every four months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it used to be like every couple of years. Now it's like whoa, you know, I know like it's all crazy. this. Um, and I'm not sure that it's changing for the better. Uh, but at the same time, I've always had. I I, I noticed this in 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 how my father approached 
um, things, especially later in his career. And I wanted to react and, and do something different because he was set in his ways and he had been so successful doing certain things in a certain way and he refused to compromise. That was part of his personality. It was part of uh, maybe not being driven by uh, financial, you know, he was, he was wealthy from his family. Mm-hmm. So it was not that important. Mm-hmm. And But I think the ego got in the way and, and th- the biggest shift was when a video came about in the 80s mm-hmm. And he refused to not shoot on film and he refused to not do things a certain way. Mm. And of course, you know, you, you, you're you going to miss opportunities to bring your work to a wider audience because right. there's not going to be a million people that say like, yeah, sure, let's do this. <laughs> and uh, right. the, the, the financial uh, reward becomes, uh, you know, not enough for a distributor to take on. So. Um, and 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 so from watching this, I always say that I learned so much from my father um, from his from his success and from his failures and from his mistakes, from everything. You just mm-hmm. observe and you're you're part of a uh, you know, it, it's not like you you can't just go to school to do what you do or mm-hmm. what I do. It's just like you 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 absorb it, you're surrounded by it, you yeah. see so many things that nobody's gonna teach you. You know, even you know, my my dad was a horrible teacher, so am I. Uh, <laughs> I'm like but I'm I've I've always been I get both of us, we were always uh, very kinesthetic people. So I'm just watching something and absorbing mm-hmm. uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and I process it, internalize it. And, and then it, it comes out, you know, in a more organic way. You know, right. I, I, I never, uh, the way I learned how to edit um, is by watching the editor that we were working with for yeah. days and days and days. And at some point, like, you know, you, <clears throat> you get to like, you know, like just watching and watching and you start getting to the point where like, oh, God, why doesn't it push the button, push the button? Come on, just like, yeah. you know, it's too slow. It's so slow. And then one day he was sick and we had rented the, the whole place. And go like, well, he's sick. He, a couple of days, like, didn't we rent the place? Like, can we just go and do it ourselves? Like, yeah, but who's going to do it? Like, I can do it. Like, no, you can't. Well, just what do we have to lose? It's paid for. Let's do yeah. it. So I finished editing this movie and my father was like, okay, well, I guess you're editing the movies now. Like, mm, So do you right, edit I, all your movies now? Not anymore. I mean, okay. I, I actually own a post-production company <clears throat> and we edit movies for a lot of companies. Okay. And I supervise it. And in my own, I edit, you know, just the big movies. Mm-hmm. I edit myself. The rest, I have editors who, you know, give me a rough cut. I go over, I tweak it. You know, I just mm-hmm. don't do the grunt work. Right. Uh, unless it's like a big, it's a, one of the big movies. So that that is like a soundtrack. Um, life-consuming event every yeah. time I make one. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. You must be like, are you like really sick of the movie by the end of it? Well, <laughs> interesting. Depends on the movie. Um, um, a lot of things happen uh, during the, the, the shooting of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, you kind of like, you you when it's finally done, you just want it to like go out and have its life and have its uh, run its course um, some of them I stay attached because, you know, and, and, you know, because the production went so smoothly. Mm-hmm. So there's very few of them. Right. <laughs> Believe me, I know. <laughs> and, and the experience of making them, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm attached in a different way. Uh, Justice League, uh, I, I honestly thought, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the first movie in 30 years. I'm not going to finish it. Something, I'm just, I'm just going to drop it. Something's, it was like a, I a remember hearing from like Ryan Driller some location like oh, like 
fiasco that Look, you guys had. When when <clears throat> when I retire, I might write a book about the shooting of that movie. There's a, a big book to be written. It was insane. It's like if you have to make up everything that can go wrong and put it all together and then times 10, that's the shooting of Justice League. I'm like, oh my God. And, you know, I'm very jaded and I'm very, you know, I've experienced in this, I've been doing mm-hmm. it a long time. So I'm prepared for, I always have plan B, C, D, E, and F. I mm-hmm. mean, I have all sorts of, but God, you get to a point of I'm sitting down like this and it's like a hundred degrees and I'm staring at the ground like, oh my God, I think I'm not going to get out of this a lot. <laughs> this is just really bad. <laughs> you know, and it was all about what we, what we shot was great. I'm very proud of the product, but the process was like, oh my God. I mean, I think it was supposed to be a, I think it was supposed to be a five day shoot and turned into a, like an 11 day shoot. I oh, mean, God. And crazy. And, and before then, um, I mean, Star Wars was a grueling experience mm-hmm. just by the sheer amount of stuff that we had to to film. Is that the one that you did, Kickstarter? You did a Kickstarter for it? No, so so um, it was Indiegogo. It was not that was the sequel. So oh, okay. we shot Star Wars. Star Wars was a co-production between me and Vivid. Okay. Uh, so we we financed it together. Um, and uh, because it was a, re- I mean, it cost half a million dollar to shoot. So yeah. it was a big project. And back in the days, there was still, you know, plenty of money to be made, but still it was a big risk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so we went in, we went in 50-50. And, um, and then, you know, the fans, you know, it's, it's a movie that's still, it is still, it's the highest selling adult DVD in history. Go figure. Really? Yeah. Wow. It, because it keeps selling, because the, there's a lot of fans. The and, and People who like Star Wars generally like porn. You know, and, 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 and. And this is like the the biggest strength, I guess, of my of my productions. It's I only shoot um, uh, movies that I'm emotionally attached to, parodies mm-hmm. of source material that I'm emotionally attached to, and 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 fans know that they can tell. You know, yeah. somebody tries to trick you on something that you know very well. Like, mm-hmm. come on, this is somebody who just opened Wikipedia and got a couple of quotes and put together. You know, like yeah. there's a whole. You can fool a geek. I told, and, and, I hear you, and right? I hate shooting parody movies. Like Digital Playground tried to get me to do right? them, and I was like, "This is not my of thing." Course, of I did course. a Suicide Squad scene, and I was like, "I don't know anything about this character. I don't care about this character. Of course, I don't care about the story. Of like, course. so I was like, "This is not. Yeah, like, I'm not and, the right person and, for and this." I, and I haven't, I haven't done parodies of of movies that were. Uh, popular at the time that mm-hmm. would have been, uh, you know, it's just like, this is not, I know nothing about it, I'm not going to do it, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, but I've done uh, parodies of stuff that you wouldn't, I mean, I parodied uh, Saved by the Bell, for Christ's <laughs> sake, but yeah. because I actually liked it when I was yeah. young, you know, I was already not that young, but it was like a little funny, fun, guilty pleasure, mm-hmm. kind of like feel-good thing, like, you know, so I'm like, oh, God, I love that, and I, I, I had enough, uh, you know, f- fandom in me for that. Mm-hmm. Um because you write all your own movies too, I write right? All, yeah. yeah. So you know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's really, it's really a, a matter of uh, 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 what movies left the the biggest. For example, Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Look, it's a story that um, it was my favorite fairy tale when I was a kid. It was my favorite story, um, and I ended up finding this guy um, who just I've been wanting to do the movie for years, mm-hmm. but finding the right person. You know, to 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 embody that character, um, it's it's not easy. So yeah. you know, and and uh, and then Ryan Ryder, this guy from 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 the UK, came here, and I shot him in the cinema. Oh my God, this guy just this could be perfect. And I asked him, "Would you would you dye your hair orange?" Because <laughs> <laughs> I hate wigging people. I, yeah, it's it's not just a. Uh, 
it really takes you out. For me, it takes me out of the of the of, of selling that fantasy. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you know. There's I always joke around that I just want people to do weird shit just so that I can uh, you know fuck with them. It's mm-hmm. not true. I just I just you know for certain things a wig is fine and for for some it's not. And right. and for me it was important that Peter Pan had actual hair and he's mm-hmm. like absolutely. And the experience of shooting that movie, although it was twenty two hour days mm-hmm. and all the usual stuff that mm-hmm. goes on in my movies. Um, but it was just so, I just, it's a movie that I love, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, and, uh, and ended up winning movie of the year and same thing. I mean, 24, same thing. I was so into the whole 24. I never watched 24 in back in the days when it was popular. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, a few years ago, I just started like, hey, I never watched this and binge watch and became like obsessed with it. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. So I went to, uh, I went to Wiccan and said like, can I do a period of 24s? Like, like now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the time was right because they were coming out with the, they were bringing back a new season yeah. after years. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. so I did that. And I remember shooting that movie was, I loved shooting it. I was like really at the peak of my fandom for Jack Bauer mm-hmm. and and everything that went around with. So I knew every. I mean, I I wrote the script in in. I mean, I want to say maybe hours. I mean, mm-hmm. just like you oh, know, wow. just such a such. A, I had the urge of writing something like yeah. this, and and and. Uh, uh, so no, I I think it's. Um, I think it's uh, it's really it's it's really for me it has to do with uh, with how much I like the experience of shooting a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, when it's done, I am completely sick of it, and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know it's. Uh, What's your favorite movie you think you've done? Do you have one favorite? You know, it's it's uh, it's. It's like asking you, "Who's your favorite chi- child?" child. <laughs> right? Uh, not. It's not like that. But but it, it, I think it kind of fluctuates. You know, I have a, obviously I have a, and, and I try not to watch them again because mm-hmm. you know I'm never happy with the result, even when yeah. it's like, okay, God, I just wish I had. Yeah, um, you can always find something to fix. J- Jerry Bruckheimer was asked once, uh, "When when is the when is a movie done? When is the movie finished?" And and his response was like, "When you." Physically run out of time to make it better, <laughs> which I'm sure it has to do with the, you know, with the Leonardo da Vinci saying that uh, art is never finished, just abandoned. Although we're not artists, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> despite what somebody says, but, uh, but but so yeah, so yeah, I, if I could, every single movie. I always want to do a director's cut years later just mm-hmm. to just to fuck with it again and just mm-hmm. tweak it. Oh my god, this like this music is terrible. So there's something I don't like. Yeah. And um I go I I go every um every year to uh, uh um, UCSB um to 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 show a, a movie to a class of students mm-hmm. um and uh and it's such a dramatic experience for me because I need to bring a movie, a non-sex version, mm-hmm. and it's projected at the Pollock Theater in this huge state-of-the-art theater with crazy sound. So every flaw, every oh, single man. thing is really going to show. Yeah. So when I do that, I spend a couple of weeks tweaking the non-sex version to make sure that everything is like as perfect as it mm-hmm. can be, you know? And and uh, I still cringe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they never see what I see in yes, it. Like, I'm like, course. you know, sometimes there's like spots where I just like purposely cough just to hide something that I don't <laughs> like about the, you know, the way the voice, I, you know, just, just yeah. stuff. 
Isn't um, it bizarre, like this kind of double-edged sword of being a perfectionist? It's like it's what makes you so good at what you do, but then like you're almost mm-hmm. never really happy. Oh, of course. So of it's course. like it's 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 a strange of like course. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I have a soft spot for. For Batman Triple X, that was the first. Uh, that was like you know, kind of like a life changing experience. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, f- you know, in many, in many, in many ways. And uh, so I have a soft spot for that. They're all. I mean, all my productions. They're really hard. You know, I, I have to cram all this stuff mm-hmm. into a certain amount of days, and uh, there's only so much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's 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 a very intense process and it's not like I do it because it's just the way it is. You yeah. know, otherwise we would be doing mainstream where you should, you know, two minutes of footage a day and you yeah. go home in 12 hours. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I know, right? Wouldn't that be so nice? That'd be great. Yeah. I know it's funny because I've, I've gotten like uh, requests from clients where they've literally sent me the um, a Stanley Kubrick scene, and they're like, "Hey, can you do this?" Right. I'm like, "Can I get a real DP in about three days right. to shoot thirty yeah. seconds First of footage?" Day C, and day C, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know, come on, I know, I know. like, really? It's crazy. You know, <clears throat> funny Kubrick. Uh, I, 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 this, I think, it might be a little known fact. Um, you know, in in um, in Italy where I grew up, every movie is dubbed. So, you know, mm-hmm. for me, I, I studied English when I was young, and it always bothered me, so I had to go, and sometimes I had to travel to France to the border to to where they showed movies in original language because mm-hmm. I, I could I couldn't stand seeing the dubbing. The dubbing, it's huh? always so bad. And uh, and um, so uh, Kubrick, um, if you remember The Shining, when he drops the paper that says uh, "All work and no play," mm-hmm. and Jack and Del Boy, um, that scene with all these papers falling down, um, he shot it. I think in, I want to say in 47 languages with the paper written in, you know, if you watch the movie in Italy, that's written in Italian. Right. If you watch it in France, it's written in France. So think about it. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Now think about the time it takes to do something like that. Yeah. That 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 many times. You know, I remember when, uh, you know, I've, um, um, At some point, I got to. I mean, I, I think I was shooting Batman versus Superman, and I'm not gonna say who the actor was, but we got to take 42 of a, a very short line that the actor couldn't get. Oh my god! <laughs> and that's the closest I felt to Kubrick in my life. <laughs> Except for he was redoing it to make it better. I was just trying to get the line out of yeah. the guy. <laughs> So you've got to be pretty picky about the the people that you choose to be in your movies, right? And you hold auditions yeah. too sometimes, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I I hold auditions, you know. And again, it's another I, because I like to 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 I don't take myself seriously. I like to joke about what I do, and mm-hmm. and 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 it's easy for people to take the joke and run with it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, a, a common joke is that like, yeah, I don't really need the audition. I know who I'm gonna hire. I just mm-hmm. do it because I want to fuck with it. It's not true. I I really need to see. There's a lot that can come out of an audition, and uh, and uh, and it has to do with uh, the attitude. How well did they? How much did they care to actually learn these three lines? How mm-hmm. much are they just gonna walk in and just look at their phones? I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes with that, and especially in today's in today's you know environment. I mean, it it really has become um, 
more difficult to trust people on showing up and on not, you know, think about it. You're shooting a big movie. You establish a character the next day. They say, hey, you know what? I just, I, don't, I can't. I have, uh, I yeah. got a... I got some camming to do or whatever it is that pays me more, whatever. And so the the group of people that I pick from is very, you know, is very small. And and of course you need to be able to get specific talent, but you got to trust them. And, you know, you need to know, especially for me, I mean, my movies are not for everybody. They're Mm -hmm. they're starting not to be for me either. I'm getting too old for this (laughs) shit, you know? I'm like... I say that to myself every day. (laughs) Sometimes it's like, oh my God, like I don't... I can't do the 20 hours anymore. I I don't know how you do it. Like after 12 hours, I'm like... Like 14 hours, I want to kill myself. I did an 18-hour shoot once and I I wanted to die. I, I got, this is really, I don't know if I told this one, but when we shot 24, <laughs> we went literally 24 hours on a day. Wow. And everybody bailed. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I mean, some bailed. Some I said, guys, just go home. I got this. And we were left, me, Kurt Lockwood, who played Jack Bauer, and, um, and the girl that was doing a scene with him. And I ended up, we were all set. I had the lights on. I took the camera and I sh- shot the sex scene myself. And uh, and we ended at literally at 24 hours and one minute of, oh my of shooting. God. That's crazy. <laughs> How do you make it through those days? A lot of coffee? I don't even drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. I don't drink caffeine. I don't drink Red Bull. I don't know. Yeah, because I, mean, I know, and you don't do drugs no, or anything. Because no, people will say drink. to me, they'll be like, yeah, it's like he's got to be on drugs. I'm no, like, he's not. No, no, I wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I wish. The, no, I can't even do anything. You know, a, a lot of the crew, they drink like the energy drinks and all <clears> stuff. Like yeah. Nothing. But uh, it's just, you know, you're driven by this. And again, this is something I make one or two big movies a year. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest is I shoot all sex movies now. Um, but I had years where I was doing like four or five or six of the big ones. It's like, oh, my God. But, yeah. I, you know, it, it, back then when I had a bigger crew and a bigger support, uh, you know, like when you have a, a large crew, you can, you know, I worked a lot with Brent Pryor. You probably know mm-hmm. he's great. And, and you know, there was a lot of like, okay, I know that he knows how to set this up mm-hmm. and there's less stress on my mind. Right. And then, you know, so, um, but uh, no, it's just out of uh, drive and wanting to do something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, physically it's it's not as easy as it was yeah, before. You know? I, can imagine. I, mean, I remember we shot, the, I shot this movie in 2003 uh, called Compulsion and was like, that's that's another life-changing event for me. I shot it on the, on 35 millimeter and uh, you know it was back when film was like the last days of mm-hmm, film mm-hmm. and that's what I've always wanted to do I wanted to make and build movie on film so um, it was an, a crazy experience I remember that it were like 20 hour days and at some point I was literally like they were prepping something I was sitting in my chair and I was shooting part of it myself mm-hmm. with this humongous camera and I slumped down and literally in deep sleep for like I don't know 8 minutes and then already oh, <laughs> and having to just like pick up this thing that weighed a ton and like, oh my god, but, you know, and and uh, but yeah, no, I don't know how I do it, but um, the problem is finding the people, and and you know, again, Ryan Ryder was fantastic when he did Peter Pan and Kurt Lockwood, all these people, just like the commitment that they have, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and Romy Rain when they did Justice League. I mean, Romy Rain and Charlotte Stokely were the driving forces behind Justice League, like literally. I mean, she was so... I remember when Romy auditioned, and her audition, I had a short list, and out of that, I was really watching with my wife. I'm like, wow, 
there's like two girls that were like both really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, I'm in trouble. I don't know. And they were both uh, very popular. And it's like, I don't know which one to pick. I mean, I'm really, really... And then Romy, who was in London actually at the time and couldn't come to the audition, uh, asked if she could send a video audition. And she sent me a video audition that was like, whoa, like blew me away to a point like this is not even in the same league as anybody else. And these were like, I was happy and like, wow, these two girls are great. Yeah, She was just so unbelievable. So I, you know, she came in when she landed the next day and I called her in and and I told her in person that she got the part and she cried from happiness. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that doesn't really happen. You yeah. know, like, uh, you know, normally it's like, okay, so how much am I getting for it? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. exactly. So, but she was so into it and, and understood the character, understood what we were trying to do. And, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I, it's a, it's a strange balance be- between like uh, not being, not taking yourself seriously and then refuting the 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 the, the, the misconception. Well, it's just porn, mm-hmm. right? You treat your product as this is the most important thing in the mm-hmm. world. I treat the fact that I'm the one doing is like okay, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not gonna hold meetings at the Polo Lounge and have people ask for my autograph and uh, you know pay them a hundred dollars for it. So, <laughs> you know, so I don't do that. Mm-hmm. But but what, I I, what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I like when I shoot a movie. I I pour everything I have in it. I mm-hmm. Just that this is uh, you know uh, it's 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 just out of passion and uh, and uh, you know. Mm-hmm. But lot, two years ago, I got to a point where I'm, I got really really heavy. I was two hundred and twenty six pounds, and that impact. I mean, my knees, my yeah. like everything hurts, and yeah. you're getting old. And it's not like people looked at me. Oh, look at that fat guy. Because somehow, I guess you know, my body like balanced it out somehow. I I hit it well. I don't know, but but it was really bad. So I I started dieting. I lost forty six pounds. Wow! And and that made me like, okay, I can actually handle a little more of this, a little mm-hmm. more of that. But um, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's tough, man. It's yeah. tough. You know, it's just like it's. Yes, if I could have you know fifteen days to shoot a movie instead of five, great. But it needs to make financial sense, and it right, doesn't. Right, right. You know I mean? And that's got to be really hard for you because I mean, there's so much that you put into your production. There's and so there's much, like- and, and and you know how the you know I'm 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 lucky that you know I because I I target at such a different demographic than 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 other porn. I mean, I my movies still. I mean, still the DVDs are are financially, uh, you know. Because I I go after people who don't really buy porn. Mm-hmm. They are just fans of the of the the source material. And it and almost comes like a collector's item type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And if you see what we do, you know, we you know posters and cards and stuff. We make it interest. We, we make people want to own it, mm-hmm. and and it works. It's, it it really comes from the perspective of I am my customer. Mm-hmm. This is what I would like. Right. If, if it works for me, because I'm not faking being a geek or being passionate about mm-hmm. the product, I I know what I would like to see and what I would like to have. So, but no, and and you know, you look at somebody like Seth Gamble. So Seth is is playing Deadpool in my upcoming parody, mm-hmm. and uh, here's a kid that I've known since just about when he started when he came here from Florida, and. Uh, uh, 
on a on a on a professional level and on a personal level, and he's been through some hard times in his life, and and no matter what, he always gave me one hundred and ten percent in in any situation. I mean, he was he played Luke Skywalker, and it was just like, my God, mind blowingly good. I remember, um, I remember my father. My father was not a very uh, <laughs> um, kind of guy, it's not kind of compliment you a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember when he saw Compulsion, which was a huge deal. It was mm-hmm. the first movie that got awards and, and stuff. And and uh, he looked at it and he goes like, "It's it's it's good. It's good. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a little sad, but but <laughs> but but it's good. No, it's good." And I'm thinking like, you know, like what? What do you mean? It's amazing. It's awesome. <laughs> like, look at what I did. It's on film and blah, blah blah. So it's good. But I remember that when he saw. Star Wars, and of course, he was a fan of Star mm-hmm. Wars, and um, and uh, he saw Star Wars, and the first thing that he called me, and he goes like, "Hey, so I watched Star Wars, <laughs> very, very funny. Who, who is the kid who played the Luke Skywalker? Because that kid is amazing." And I remember, like, you know, it's like. I like Seth so much, and the fact that my father, who never compliments anybody, just singled him out and go mm-hmm. like, "Who is this guy?" Because this is great. Yeah, it it just kind of like validated my, you know, uh, uh, gave me a, approval on somebody that I thought had so much potential and so much to to give. So um, I'm very I'm very attached to Seth. I, I think he's just a, is a phenomenal actor and is a great guy. So. Um, um, yeah, so that that brings me to um, um, I am going to shoot my first original feature in fifteen years next month. Uh, this is your announcement, right? This is my announcement. Okay, I haven't shot uh, anything that wasn't a parody in fifteen years, if you can believe it. I mean, parody or all sex. Okay, so this is my first uh, feature, and it's a feature uh, from a script that I co-wrote with my father before he passed, and with my son. So it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's, it was a passion project of my father. We started writing this movie as a mainstream movie, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, in the Mm -hmm. (laughs) eighties, late eighties. And, uh, you know, it was that kind of, the kind of project that, uh, when he was still doing adult, but he had this dream in the back of his mind. And Mm -hmm. so he was pursuing this through mainstream channels and mainstream connections. So we, had you know all these meetings with the important people and famous actors, and th- I mean it was something that was always almost happening, but then never really happened. Right, mainstream. And then at some point uh, we decided, like uh, you know, years went by, ten years, twelve years, whatever it is, and then we decided, like you know, why don't we do a uh, why don't we sh- make it as an, ad- an adult movie? And so we started writing this thing, and we started taking it to you know it was a it was something that was uh, set in uh, a Victorian era uh, England, and now we brought it to modern day. So we you started it morphed into something else. And then, you know, and then I started, you know, then we abandoned it. And then I involved my son when he was in film school, you know, when he was studying screenwriting, was studying directing, was studying all these things. I'm like, you know, why don't you uh, try to take this scene and turn it into something that relates to you? And so we, we collaborated on this and then he just sat there. And I go like, yeah, one day I'll, I'll, I'll do this. And, and I think, and, and this year, for some reason, I found the, 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 the right spirit to decide, you know what, let's do this. I, th- I think that it's, uh, I think it's the right time. It is a, uh, it is a, it's called The Possession of Mrs. Hyde. And okay. it is, a, um, 
it basically takes the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, takes the book uh, into a different direction, exploring um, exploring certain things that were addressed in the book that never made it to uh, the actual movies. For example, Hyde was not a monster. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we think of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and we think about this, you know. Mm-hmm. That was not how it was depicted in the, in the original book. Stevenson wrote that he was actually uh, much younger, uh, light on his feet, and, uh, and, and, and impressive looking. So mm-hmm. he had some, uh, a sense of danger to him. He had a sense of uh, something not being right, but he couldn't really pinpoint what it was. Something mm-hmm. was off. And, uh, and so, you know, instead of the typical, you know, like put makeup on an actor and make it into a monster, mm-hmm. um, the point that my father had was like, it should always be two different actors because it really, this potion, this transcendental drug, this transcendental potion that he's concocting um, needs to turn him into something else. Jackie right. was trying to separate good from evil. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in theory, it would split into a completely different person that was pure evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I have, uh, um, you know, I I uh, was lucky to uh, be able to bring uh, Tom Byron out of retirement to play Doctor Jekyll, and, okay. uh, and um, I have Seth Gamble playing Mister Hyde, and uh, it's a huge role for him. And I'm and literally when I decided to shoot the movies because I was dealing with Seth on Deadpool, and I'm like I'm looking at him like oh my god he would be perfect because it's just so different, and he has a face that is such a a, a likable, he's handsome, he's likable, he's, he's sweet, but he has, he can have a sense of danger to it. And for right. him, it, because I know how, how good of an actor he is and what he can bring to the table, I'm like, you know what? I, I think I want you to, I want you to, to play this role. And, and uh, so, yeah, so that's when it came together. And um, I've cast, I auditioned, I did video auditions this time because I'm in the middle of Deadpool and a million other things, so I didn't have the time to, to schedule physical auditions and um, so I did video auditions in addition I had a short list of 12 girls for the lead I um, I actually ended up uh, getting 14 submissions um, and I cast Avi Love who is a phenomenal girl and I don't know, if you, I don't know if you shot her Mm-mm. she is great um, she's with Next Level and, 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 and this is a thing that I have uh, um, Next level, you know, Jonathan Morgan and Andrew. Yeah, Madness, next level talent agency. They are just different, you know, the way they 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 value certain things and the way they approach certain things is just. Do you think it comes because it comes from like a production sure. background because for they were directors? Sure. For yeah. sure, it's kind of like you know they know what we, we want and we need, yeah. and they did it with the when I cast. Uh, uh, Cleo Valentin mm-hmm. and in in uh, in. Uh, was the first suicide? No, it was Batman versus Superman, and then Suicide Squad. And think about it. I mean, it's crazy. You know, she won Best Supporting Actress for mm-hmm. that character in Batman versus Superman, and ended up winning Best Actress for the same character a year later, two years later for for Suicide Squad. So it's just like so awesome, yeah, that happening. You know, and 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 I guarantee you that without the support of 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 Andre and and Jonathan, it wouldn't have happened. They coached her and they trained her and they it just they were so you know on top of it Mm -hmm. from the beginning her audition was like you know she came prepared in a way that you're not used to seeing right so so it was great and um 
So yeah, Avi Love is with Next Level, and they did the same exact thing. You know, I sent them a nice email, and I told them that I was going to do this, and it was very, uh, it was a very secret project. They don't want to. You're the first person that I tell. Um, <laughs> mm, I feel so special. <laughs> so, um, because the truth is that until life. Final until I knew that I had all the people that I wanted, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure like I might not do it. I mean, I right. need to make sure that I can just find. Um, so when I when I, when I told them I was going to do this, they sent me an audition. And again, it's just the same thing they did with 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 the Clio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an audition. It looks like a feature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they shoot this thing that is beautifully shot. Oh wow! Lit and edited. I mean, just like gorgeous and and. She was fantastic. So um, that's all. Uh, that's all. I have a bunch of other roles that are in the process of casting, but the, the principal roles are those three. And and, uh, and I'm I'm excited because um, you know we are we are exploring. Um, it's in modern day, and we're exploring what if uh, the the story of Doctor Jack and Mister had happened in modern day, and what if he had <clears throat> a wife. Mm-hmm. That we didn't talk about before. What would his his interaction with with a person that is part of your life be, and how would he uh, negotiate that between Jekyll and Hyde? You right. know, it's just a, and it was such a an interesting approach that uh, I'm 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 just so so happy to make it for 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 the story, for the attachment that I have to it, and for what it represents for me and yeah. my family, my legacy. It, yeah. It's it's such a interesting uh, time, you know, uh, somehow. I mean, uh, 30 years, uh, last month they asked me, Viviani, if I wanted to be on the cover. It's like, wow, this is like such an awesome, mm-hmm. such an honor, you know. Right. I, I, you know, we grew up valuing what what AVN is, mm-hmm. what AVN represents for us. You know, it, it is like our, you know. Yeah, it's this, like, yeah, AVN is like the Oscars of porn. You know, and, there's yeah. something about, and, and you know, I'm such a, uh, I appreciate so much the process that goes into this, you know, mm-hmm. and you know the 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 nominees and the nomination process, and the the, the these people lock themselves in a room for weeks, uh, mm-hmm. watching three hundred debating on. What, I mean, mm-hmm. just that, who does that? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Seriously, who does that? Yeah, who I had a that? talk with I think Peter Warren about how they do. Um, they they pick the winners because I know a lot of people like to say like the awards uh, are rigged. Why? Well, you know, the people who lose always when, say that. When, when we lose, they're rigged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When we win, no, no, they're never. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And no. he told me like the whole process, and it's a very like it's a very legitimate, from what I heard, very oh, yeah, legitimate yeah, yeah, process, yeah, yeah, very yeah, like yeah. specific. Oh, it's and, crazy. And I I I actually told Peter years ago, you guys should have a reality show about it because I mean that's the you know I follow you know they have. Some of the people in the committee that that tweet about mm-hmm. it during and it's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that they do, the stuff that they, but they take this seriously. Yeah. It's not just porn. Right. You know, it's something that it's important for them. It's it's what we do, and and you know, while you know, I obviously refute the whole. You know, we're artists, but but let's not dismiss the product as just do you, do stuff not, that we don't. Do you not think you're an artist? No. Really? I'm, I'm not that pretentious, you know. I don't wear a gold watch. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm an entertainer. I, I appreciate. I like. I like. Oh, you know. Look, y- you can call yourself an artist because this art in what you do there really is. It's just. A, it's just. A, I think that we can all be 
artistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do the best. I just, I just don't like the you know having to stamp myself with right. a, with with, a, with 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 something that makes me you know feel like something bigger than what I am. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't like pretentious people. I just in general, and and it's funny because I, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a point in your career where. Obviously, you do certain things because you know PR-wise it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you post a picture with your Rolls Royce, and you have a million people. Whoa, that's awesome! That's cool. Mm-hmm. You've also like, you know, yeah, no, I like my car. I just don't want to be that guy. You know, yeah. it's you're balancing this, but you know, there's there's some things that you do, and then you know, some people take it to the extra level. Where it mm-hmm. becomes, you know. Cringeworthy, you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. So it also has to do with where you're at in your mm-hmm. life at the time. You know, stuff that uh, you know my son think it's cool and awesome. He's 26. It's different from me. I'm 52. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like you look at it like oh, you know I have you know three daughters. I mm-hmm. have like uh, it's just the perspective changes constantly throughout your life. Thank God it does. You know, mm-hmm. I don't see the world the same way I saw it when I was in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s. Even yeah. five years ago, I saw things differently. I'm literally. You know, my youngest daughter is eleven months old. Oh wow! So, so you know, my oldest is five. Mm-hmm. So you know, with each new uh, child, literally something switches inside of you. You don't you, you you don't think about it. You just start seeing things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, when you quit smoking, I smoked for a long time, and uh, well, fourteen in two thousand four. So uh, fourteen years ago, I stopped. I quit, and I was smoking three packs a day, and all of a sudden. I quit cold turkey and yeah. you go through a couple of weeks of hell. Yeah. And then you wake up one morning and everything smells differently. Everything tastes different. Yeah. And everything is just, just different. Mm-hmm. And you, you're not going to, you know, people can tell you, oh, yeah, sure. You know, people can tell you what it feels like to have kids and to have a family and to have certain things. And, yeah, no, I get it, of course. You know, I, but once certain things, until you actually experience them, right. you don't really know. Right. You know, and, and, and it, it also changes from person to person how you how you experience it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, 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 was, uh, uh, I was not a, um, a hands-on father with my son when he was little because I was busy building my career and traveling mm-hmm. the world and doing all these things. And now I'm, you know, I'm like the, the most doting father to these three little girls. You know, it's just, it just changes the way you see things. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and, I want to ask you about your son. So mm-hmm. your son is directing now. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come about? Was that his idea? Was that your idea? Were you resistant at all to him coming into the you industry? Know, you know, I, it's, it's one of those things. I... Um, I I was not resisting. I was not encouraging. Mm-hmm. I just you know I I always think that and the the, the more I, I the older I get, the more I think that people because I I see so much change, so much uh, in, in interior change I went through that I like ah oh, just give it a little time and you'll see things differently. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to tell people. I just mm-hmm. want to give it time. Um, that's one of the reasons why I don't hire girls under 21. It's literally because I'm like, I know at 18 you see the world different than at 21. I mean, those three years, it's oh, a totally world of difference. Yeah. And um, so with my son, with Ricky, when he, he, you know, he just was passionate about filmmaking mm-hmm. from when he was, uh, I, I want to say from when he was four years old. Mm-hmm. He, he had like, he watched movies 300 times and uh you know and he he, he just i was a very passionate uh, film buff 
And so he probably got that from me right. in, in a way. But but he was really obsessed with certain movies and and quoting from movies. And then he was asking me about it. And I would tell him, you know, when you when you make movies for a living, you see the movie in so many different ways. First, mm-hmm. you try to enjoy the movie, then you watch it again because you know, oh my God, look at this shot! You yeah. know, you can see. Yeah. And he's like, wow, you know, he appreciates certain things. You see certain things, and uh, and and a lot of the magic can also go away because you know how they did it, and it's just. But uh, but he was really passionate about the process and about this, and you know, of course, in a way, it was his his way of of bonding with me uh, mm-hmm. subconsciously. Um, but he had this, and then you know, after he graduated from high school, uh, and he, he he studied in Italy, and he just like uh, he goes like, hey, you know, I'd like to uh, go to film school, and I go like. Uh, Sure. I mean, are you sure that's what you want to do? Because, you know, he has a, you know, from his mother's side of the family, he has, you know, businesses that he could be running, mm-hmm. things that he could study for, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm like, are you things sure? Things are maybe a little more stable. Very stable yeah. and very, and very, you know, like, you know, are you sure you don't want to get a law degree? Are you sure you don't yeah. want to get, you know, um, my, my, you know, I, I, I did the, I went to a college and I, I got a PhD in psychology and I never really planned on on on, on practicing ever. It just something you don't feel that, like you practice that you know, daily on set. <laughs> this is a very good point. Uh, but but back in the days, especially when you grew up in Italy, um, uh, you just a you try to study for as long as you can because your parents will mm-hmm. uh, you know keep paying for your shit while yeah. you're in school right. and. Um, and B, it's kind of like a thing that everybody, you know, back in the days, like, what are you going to do? Like, quit studying after high school? It just didn't, you know. So mm-hmm. so I took psychology just because it was the, the only thing that I found was interesting to me, not because I wanted to have a career. And uh, and I got through point, moments when I said, like, okay, what am I doing this for? Because this is a lot of, I'm never going to do this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, from my family always got, like, you know, have something to fall back on. You mm-hmm. have the rest of your life to follow your dreams if you have any but at least you have something that and that's what I try to do with my son like are you mm-hmm. sure you don't want to get a you know something something else and then you can study you're so young like that's what I want to do I really want to do this I'm like okay I mean he never wanted to do what I do but mm-hmm. he wanted to make movies like okay you know I felt that the passion was here so he came here and he he, he lived here for four years and went to um, uh, the New York Film Academy and uh, it was so into it and just like it's, it's life changed in so many ways. And while he was here, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, he had certain things that were paid for. But, you know, we tried to make sure that he uh, knew the value of, uh, of money, the value mm-hmm. of work, the value, you know, of everything. So it's not like, hey, this is a free pass and you're, you know, just you got to find some jobs so mm-hmm. that you can have extra money to do certain things. And he goes like, can I? Can I come work for you as a PA? And like, sure, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, yeah, I know. And he started working as a PA, and then he started working a little bit as a PM, and then he started working as an editor, and he started working. So basically, you went through the same process that I went through with my father, mm-hmm. uh, like literally yeah, an identical thing without without knowing, but that's what happened. Um, and uh, and and we got to a point where he became more and more proficient. Um, and uh, he started doing, you know, he started being my AD, he started being like, you know, he, he was part of a lot of the movies that I made in the past few years. And um, and then I just one day I had this movie that I wrote 
years ago. And I wrote this movie for Asa Kira. I wrote mm-hmm. this for her before she was even a Wicked Country girl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I used to write a lot. And I used to just write. I, I felt uh, compulsion to write scripts for no reason. I have so many in my, in, in my computer. And, um, and it's like, this is such a cool story, but it's not a big movie. Mm-hmm. And, and, and at that point, Asa was under contract with Wicked. And I go, like, oh, this would be a great movie for Asa, but I just can't do it because I haven't shot a feature since, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 2003. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the first feature I make, it can be like a, a small thing. Yeah. And it's just not, not that it was a, a, a bad way. It's just it's a smaller movie. And... Uh, and and so I just called my son and I go, would you like to direct the movie? And he's like, what? Like, yeah, you know, he had just graduated. I went to see his uh, his film. Uh, they showed it at Warner Brothers and a lot. You know, mm-hmm. they show all these uh, graduation movies, and I thought it was great. And and uh, he had just got into the um, with his short, the special uh, um, in the Cannes Film Festival, in the special. Uh, oh wow! Uh, so you know, I obviously I saw that there was talent. I saw that it was. Uh, I just didn't know if I wanted to be the one to say like, "Hey, you want to be porn director?" Yeah, and, right. Uh, but I told him, like, look, you know, it's up to you. I don't want to force you to do anything. I just had the script. Uh, if you feel that it's something you want to do, because right away he told me, like, are you serious? God, I'd love to do it. Like, well, read the script and let me know. And then, you know, he, he knew what it is to be on set, to be on, on a mm-hmm. porn set and mm-hmm. everything. He, he was friends with Asa, so that mm-hmm. was a, a big, you know, he was friends with Abella. He was friends mm-hmm. with uh, Valentina Knapp. So he had, he, you know, he, he, he had friendships with with talent that mm-hmm. I was going to use. And uh, so he read the script, and I mean, two hours later, oh, my God, this is amazing, this is amazing, I love this, and, uh, you know, and and he gave me some input, what if we do this, like this, great. So he had his little, you know, mm-hmm. uh, personal touches to it. And uh, so I, I planned on, you know, holding his hand through this thing and basically, you know, like being there and letting him make his mm-hmm. calls, but being... And and to be honest, I was on set because I I hate being on set. <laughs> yeah, twenty hours. But I was there for day one. Mm-hmm. And it was a very complex day. We started with some really complicated shots. Which when when you have this mainstream background, that's what you want to do. You mm-hmm. want to do all crazy shots, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, every shot needs to be like something. And uh, so he was on. I was on set with him and. Uh, Towards the end of day one, not even at the very end, I think I left and they still had an hour or two to go. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you got it. I told him, like, you got this. I just, uh, you know, I, you know, I gave him a little input here and there on just, it's, it's the more, uh, you know, like, look, mm-hmm. this looks great. Don't redo it 300 times because mm-hmm. you're, you need to make sure you stay within the budget. You need to mm-hmm. make sure that you, you know, to pick your battles and and look at this. What do you think? You know, just that. When you just started, your confidence, you know, it's uh, it's not where it's supposed to be. And especially when your dad is looking over your shoulder yeah. and you're looking at all the shoes you have to fill from grandpa, to yeah. me, you know, and you're like, no, I think I can do this. Like, no, 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 you don't need a crane to do this shot. This is perfectly <laughs> fine, you know. And, uh, right. And uh, so, you know, but by the end of day one, I think that we had two sex scenes and, uh, and a lot of dialogue and... Uh, Asa was just so amazing, and uh, he had it, and and it was a three day shoot. I didn't show up for the other two days, and he got it. The movie had seven nominations, and it was successful. I love it. I think it was a great movie, and uh, so yeah, that's how it came about. Wow. And uh, so you know, the movie's not even out. I think the trailer just came out, and uh, 
And a week they go like, does he want to shoot something else? And I'm like, uh, well, I'll ask him. So he's been shooting all sex for a while. With the, then we collaborated on on this script, and he's going to be part of this. And uh, yeah, you know, it's That's amazing. Uh, it's, um, it's it's interesting. Like third generation yeah. pornographer. And yeah, you're next. You need to have kids that you can. Oh, have you been speaking to my mother? <laughs> because she gives me shit about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So yeah, you know, um, back in the days, and photography was really always something that in in Italy we had this magazine it was called Photo, and uh, we just had you know all this black and white stuff and all this erotic photography in general. It was it was something very. It's still to this day is very uh, accepted and very. You know, books with nude in Italy. When you travel to Italy, uh, commercials. Uh, you know, um, you know, carbonated water commercial. There's a naked woman. On yeah, the, yeah, like, Bri- on the, like the British versions of Vogue yeah. or Italian versions of Vogue. Exactly. It's always like topless exactly. girls. Yeah, it's like not a big deal. So we always had a and uh, yeah, and, 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 and my father always. Uh, Thought your mom was like the shit, and, and, and this this type of, and it's just it's true. I mean, she's her yeah. work is like amazing, and uh, yeah. you know, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting to have this perspective, and and how many people can, uh, if you look at a uh, children of uh, successful people in mm-hmm. certain, it's very rare that you get somebody that can try to match possibly top their you know it just yeah. like it never happens I mean, yeah. and and it's not like they're not talented there's a lot of stuff that goes with it I mean mm-hmm. I don't know I'm thinking about somebody like Julian Lennon or you know like this kind of yeah. like you know it's like it's hard yeah. you know how do you you know um, I remember for a long time feeling like I was under my mom's shadow um, for a long time but I don't feel that way anymore of course of but, course, um, I, I think you know you get to there's a there's a moment. What what was your moment? I mean, I can tell you mine. <laughs> but, that's but a good I, question, right? I don't know. I don't know if there ever was a moment. I just started to notice that you know, people stopped. People started knowing me people as sto- Holly Randall, not as right. Randall's daughter. It just right. stopped, you right. know, because usually that's how I was introduced. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't remember like a specific moment. What was it for you? I think that you know, and and again, I think that. What it was for people is different from what it was for me. I think mm-hmm. that for people it, it became it came earlier because I was working so much and there's mm-hmm. so much stuff, but it still felt myself. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. like you know, like under um, compulsion. When I did compulsion, that's really what because that was like your big kind of breakout movie. It was like you know, it's I had been. Uh, Shooting so much, I was under contract with Elegant Angel at the time, mm-hmm. um, and before that, I was just shooting movies that I would sell to, you know, VCA or whatever mm-hmm. companies. And um, but at the time, I was under contract with with uh, with Elegant Angel, and I was shooting like I think I think like twelve movies a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but Elegant Angel was a Gonzo company, yeah. And uh, you know, after a year under contract as a director, Patrick Collins offered me to become general manager of the company. And when that happened, um, I wanted to take the company in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and and we had like it was a, a big father figure for me. And and we had this conversation about what we wanted to do. And I said like, you know, we 
I'd like to make, you know, how amazing it would be for Elegant Angel to make a huge feature shot on film. I mean, it's such a dichotomy, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like right. this is the Gonzo company that, you know. Right. And uh, he loved the idea, and we worked on the script together with him and with Bryn. And uh, it just, uh, it just, uh, I greenlit my own movie because I was running the company. Right. <laughs> what movie was this? Compulsion. Oh, this was Compulsion. Yeah, okay. this is Compulsion. And and I think that by the time I got done shooting it, that's when I felt that I was I I come into my own in, mm-hmm. in, in many ways. It's not it's not just a, like a, you know it's it's not an ego thing. It's just a feeling. Yeah. You just feel like okay, I can I can chart my own course from right. here. You know, it's right. just a, I, I think it's a. Uh, th- there's a point in which you always need. I-, I think you always need some kind of. You're looking for approval from your parents, especially mm-hmm. from somebody who's like. And then there's some point that was like, you know, okay, this is my own thing. And, yeah. And, and and you know, so um, yeah. <laughs> so right now you're shooting Deadpool. Are you work? Do you do you sometimes work on more than one movie at a time? That's what I'm doing right now with Deadpool and the, and the possession of Mrs. Hyde. Um, they're basically happening almost at the same time, a little bit after. You know, we have a couple of days before, a couple of days after. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I have, um, you know, in Deadpool, Deadpool is is really, um, um, it's really such a. I I almost didn't want to do it. I've been a huge fan of of the comics for a mm-hmm. long time, and then the movie, the first movie with Ryan Reynolds came out. I'm like, oh my god, this. So awesome! Yeah, I can do a parody. This, this is too good. I, yeah. I can't. You know, <laughs> it always works best when I parody something that is not successful. I mean, right. stuff like you know, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad was so bad. It was so bad. It was right? So bad. And there were so many people who said that your version like, was so much better than the that's, mainstream. One. Because that's such an easy thing to say. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's not true. Come on, you know. I mean, I mean, it, it's just a different thing. Obviously, I remember seeing all the little. Clips and go, oh my god, this is gonna be amazing! And then movie comes out, like, oh my god, this is really bad. Yeah, yeah, I know it looks so good, and then <laughs> and I was so disappointed I, because I'm such a fan. I always want the real stuff to be good. Right, it is actually better for me when it's bad. Like, look at Justice League was such a catastrophe. Yeah. Like, what are what are they thinking? You know, and of course that's the other thing. You go, oh, you know, the porn version is better. You know, yeah. I can tell you that my box cover is better. I, I can <laughs> I can see that. You know, and the movie is what it is. I mean, of course, for being a, a little movie, I'm proud of it. Uh, but yeah, I didn't have you know like uh, five hundred million dollars to spend and all these crazy effects mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but you come out and disappointed from the mainstream version, and uh, you know. But um, <laughs> I know, I know. It's Deadpool. I I resisted for a while because I'm like, oh God, it's just like, oh my God, I don't know that I can tackle it. And, and you're just and worried also, you weren't going to do it justice. And also because it's Deadpool is a parody of a of a of a, of a superhero of a villain. I mean, it's just parody of, of comics. Mm-hmm. How do you parody a parody? It's yeah. not easy, you know. Yeah. So I I I resist and resist, and then I have this this um, two friends. They're they're. Uh, mainstream directors, uh, the name are uh, Jenna and Celia uh, Soska, the Soska twins, uh, and and they're huge uh, Deadpool fans. They're Canadians, and they're you know, and for a few years, like, hey, Axel, when are you gonna do this? When are you gonna do this? Like, yeah, I'm not thinking about it, thinking about it. And then, uh, you know, just uh, you know, we started talking and we started bouncing ideas, and uh, and I'm like, oh my god, we're so on the same page. With the, what we should do with this, and they mm-hmm. literally helped me crack the the the, the, the you know the, the the feeling of this this mm-hmm. journey. 
And I go like, do you guys, do you guys want to write the script together? Want to collaborate? Like, oh my God, this is great. I'm like, I can't believe they say this is great. I'm the one who's like, I get these two yeah. very talented filmmakers to want to collaborate on my porn movie. It's yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Um, but we did. And, and uh, so that's, that's how it came about. And, the, and, I, and of course, again, there is like, who am I going to cast? You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to have, it was important to me to have Lady Deadpool in it because it's a character that's never been shown on, on film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh, get Jessica to do it so I got Jessica Drake you know and her schedule is like insane yeah. I mean she's yeah. all over the place and doing yeah. a million things and you know mm-hmm. aside from porn activism and all sorts of you know public speaking and right and uh, so and and also I didn't know if it was something that she was willing to do I mean mm-hmm. it's it's a you know it's a crazy character and so mm-hmm. uh, but you know she's amazing and 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 uh, I work with her only in uh, in um uh, Snow White, and mm-hmm. she was fucking amazing as the evil queen. She was so good. Um, and then, I mean, I shot her in in uh, in. Um, oh no, actually, I also work with her on uh, uh, Justice League and uh, Batman vs Superman. Everything is a blur with this. <laughs> <laughs> and she was always fantastic. Um, and, it, and so, you know, we talked about the character, and she was so all over it and so happy. And we we did the. We got the costumes made, and she just like we did a photo shoot. We start. I mean, she's really, really, really good. So uh, once I got that character down, and then I got set for Deadpool, it's just like the movie just came together. You know, I think it's gonna be really, really funny, and, yeah. and that's what I'm going for. You know, so I'm balancing the really funny uh, uh, Deadpool parody with the possession of Mrs. Hyde, which is such a dramatic, uh, right. psychedelic trip. So it's a, it's an interesting year for me. Is there uh, any parodies that you haven't shot that you would really like to one day? You know, I I used to not want to answer this question because th- there used to be a line of people that are ready to steal my idea and make yeah. their own parody, <laughs> shooting it tomorrow with <laughs> a couple of wigs right. on. I think I can I can say now because there's nobody. No one's left. doing it anymore. You're the, like the only one left. Last year they announced that the parody category was not going to be at AVN. I noticed. I, that. I was I was devastated I because I'm that. like, oh my god, already Justice League is already out. What am I going to do? Because you know, Justice League is really not a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's not a drama. I don't know where it can fit. It's a little yeah. bit of everything. So I didn't feel like I had a strong shot. Mm-hmm. At, at any of this, mm-hmm. you know, and then in the end, I guess uh, they, they found enough parodies, uh, they were shot, and uh, so they, they still had it, so that's great. Didn't they call it like an action category now or they something They had an like action that? thriller, action thriller, oh, okay. which I'm not sure which one won, but... Uh, I think Brie Was it Brie that won that? One. Because that one, movie of the year, I wonder if it won best drama or best... I uh, Yeah, I know. I know. I, so, I just remember I didn't win, which I didn't expect to at all, <laughs> honestly. Like, I went there. It's just the thing is, it's like, when I get nominated for a lot of these awards, which doesn't happen very often, I, I just feel like... I know that my work's not strong enough to hold up against everybody else. Like, I'm not trying to be humble. Like, honestly, um, you know, I see the hours and the time that you put into your movies, and then I look at like the hours and the time that I put in mine. I'm like, I am not. And like, if I won, it wouldn't be fair, actually. Like, so it, it's kind of like actually takes the pressure off of me. I'm like, I know I'm not going to win, so I don't need to. Like, you worry know, about it. you know, it's it's. Uh, it, I think that. Uh, you know, obviously, when when we win awards, we are like, oh, you know, I won this, I won that. It's it's. 
I think that when you're proud of what you do, right. regardless of awards or yeah. not, you know, it's just the the awards is is is, is great to have that type of validation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also good to have perspective and think like you know I'm I'm, I'm doing you know this is my best work so far. And, mm-hmm. You know, when the awards come, great, mm-hmm. that, that adds to it. But, but, that's not but what it's you're not it's about. not the focus. I'm I'm thinking like I just I for me it's really about. Trying to top myself—that's what mm-hmm. I try to do. Because otherwise, where is the drive? You know, at, right. at the past fifty and you know thirty years later, I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm gonna make. Uh... So I try to do something that is better, that is bigger, that is you know the, the, the shots that I wasn't able to get. I mean, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I've been wanting to do a. <laughs> Been wanting to do a parody of Pinocchio for a long time. Really? Well, I did not expect that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, I've been wanting to do it for a long time because I, you know, the fairy tale thing was was something that I really enjoyed making, and I did four of them, mm-hmm. um, and they were all they were all very successful, and they were all I, I I liked them all. I mean, it was it was um, you know Snow White, Cinderella, uh, um, Sleeping Beauty, and Peter Pan. And so I'm, I, I wanted to do one more, and Pinocchio, obviously, where it's not the nose that grows. Uh, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> I've been wanting to do it for a while. Who knows? Um, it needs to make sense in, yeah. in, in many ways. I'm not, I, I'm not at, at, at a, at a, in a place where I'm like, I just want to do it because I want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it needs to make sense for Wicked. It needs to make sense for me. It needs to make sense. And, you know, uh, they were, they were uh, going to do a Ron Howard directed version with the, with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, that was supposed to happen. And that's when I started like, oh, I'd really like to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the, the story of Pinocchio is actually the real story. It's an Italian story. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Disney movies, completely different. Yeah. The, the Italian, the book is really dark. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, it's an allegory for life in many mm-hmm. ways, and it's it, but it's very, very dark and very interesting. And of course, growing up in Italy, this is like Pinocchio is the equivalent of uh, the Wizard of Oz for American people. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody read it, everybody knows everything about mm-hmm. it, and it's part of your culture. So, so that's something I've been wanting to. Do. I've been wanting to do a Daredevil uh, parody uh, for a long time because uh, I'm, I mean, I, and I, I'll go against, uh, uh, you know. Um, Everybody loves the Daredevil TV show, and I don't. I just, I really don't like. I'm not saying that it's not good. It's very well done, but it just it doesn't speak to me at right. all. And and because I was a huge fan of the comics growing up, mm-hmm. um, the, the comic took on at some point over the years, and, and, and starting from the '90s, it just the the, the character kind of changed in the comics too. But that's not the character that I grew up with. So mm-hmm. I get it, what they're doing, and it's been incredibly successful. Uh, I just couldn't, I just started watching, like, okay, I just don't like it. I, really, mm-hmm. I wanted to like it, and I didn't. And um, so I've been wanting to do my own thing, my own version. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's, it needs to be shot in New York, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to fake, uh, you know, like one thing is facing, faking Metropolis or Gotham that don't mm-hmm. exist, but when... Uh, you know, Hell's Kitchen and all these parts of, of, of New York are such an in, integral part of the story and of the landscape. Yeah, I just can't do it here. I need to go to... So that brings That's a million a whole, oh, oh, my Jesus. God. You know what I, I mean? <laughs> this, you gotta, I'm stressed out just thinking about right, it for you. Right, I'm thinking about lying. You know, we got to shoot uh, something for Mr. Hyde in Altadena and like, oh, my God, it's going to be a nightmare. It's like 20 <laughs> minutes from here, right? <laughs> if it's not like... So... Um, 
but yeah so it is uh, it is those are some of the things that I've been wanting to do and uh, and uh, you know we'll see but but I'm look I am uh, I've had this I'm on my f- fourth or fifth year at wicked and mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's been uh, fantastic I just uh, you know it I always I always wanted to have a to find a, uh, some stability in a home and a place where people uh, appreciate you and value mm-hmm. you and 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 advise you and and I I was lucky because I had this at Elegant Angel mm-hmm. uh, for the two years that I was there I had this at New Sensations for the couple of years that I was there I had it at Wick at Vivid too mm-hmm. and I was there for four years and uh, you know and and Wicked has been like wow it's just a, it's just a, it's just a, a an, an incredible group of people and mm-hmm. and and uh, Steve Ornstein is just uh, somebody that I really um admire and 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 appreciate in so many ways it's just like it's just different there's there's a there's a there's a human component in it that makes you feel like you're you're not just part of uh you know part of this corporate structure where you need to look at you know What's like, that uh, like? <laughs> What's that I, like? I, I it feel, sounds nice. <laughs> I feel incredibly lucky, uh, and 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 again, you know, remember, you know, when as, as you know, everybody uh, tells you, you know, when you're your own boss, you know, be your own boss. Yeah, you can be your own boss. I'll be my own boss all my life. There's always somebody who's you need to, you know, you know, whether are your customers, whether yeah, you're, yeah. You there's know, always you're like a boss. There's always the somebody, boss. Yeah, even yeah. when you're <laughs> your own boss. The problem with being your own boss is that you end up. You know, working like crazy because you have nobody to tell you. Hey, at five o'clock, you're going home. Oh God, so, I know you can't. I, I so can't imagine careful, what it's like. Be to careful rely what you wish for. Yeah, right. And it's, to like it's, know that you're getting that same I amount know, every week. I know, I've never right? had that. I know, I know. <laughs> right. So, um, but at Wicked, I you know, and it's it feels like um, it feels like a family in so many ways. And 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 Steve Orenstein is very. Very old school, and he's he has to be the most loyal and nicest mm-hmm. person I've come across in thirty years. I'm, I'm bar none. Yeah. Um, and 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 he's a and, and again, remember, I've been lucky. I've been you know I I have I've had mentors and and people that you know Stephen Hirsch, Patrick Collins, Scott Taylor. I mean, all fantastic people. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is that that Ornstein just has. Uh, an approach to uh, he will always try to do the right thing mm-hmm. in so many ways and for yeah. so many people and and you know when you're running a company of that size and you have all the with all the changes and everything it's not easy and yeah. uh, but he's on the road he's talking to the customers he's like and he's always i don't know man it's just uh, it's, it's it's really there's there's nowhere else to go from from there. There's mm-hmm. there's, there's no way up, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm very very lucky to be there. And and, and so you uh, see yourself staying at Wicked for a while, probably. Oh, if they don't fire me, I'll stay there forever. <laughs> <you know? laughs> if I don't die shooting these two movies, <laughs> you know. But yeah, no, it's 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 just uh, I'm 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 very 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 happy. And yeah, and especially I mean, look. When you look at now, we got to think about the algorithms of it. Just I know makes you want to like, oh, really? It's, it's not what what Feels I want to like be doing. A lot of doing. the creativity has been sucked out of the product. It has. They're to, just looking you know, at. I like, mean, selling ad moments. You know, I, yeah. I and 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 you know, and it's 
some of these things spill obviously into luckily mm-hmm. luckily wicked is a company that has its own identity think mm-hmm. about it i mean yeah. like who decides that you know what I'm going to go condom and when yeah. everybody pulls out, I'm still going to go condom because I didn't go condom just for, you know, I go condom because I believed in what it meant for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I never thought in my life that that would be, when I signed on with Wicked, they didn't tell me I had to shoot condoms because mm-hmm. I had my own process. Like you can shoot without condoms. It's it's your decision. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, my daughter had just been born and you just starting seeing things different. Like, my God, you know, I, I, I literally I had to watch some condom scenes and try to figure out because up until then I thought like, oh my God, sex with condom is going to be like, it's going to kill the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then you start watching and, you know, I watched some some of the stuff that Brad Armstrong has shot and some mm-hmm. stuff that, you know, and it's like, wow, this is actually really good. I couldn't care less if there's a condom in it or not. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just went up to Warrenstein and I told him like, I think I want to go condom only and... Uh, and he was like, "Are you sure you want to do that?" Like, I, I, I think I, you know, I, if I can, if I can, I'm at the point in my career where I uh, feel like I can do this and make it interesting. And, and you know, if, if it sells a little less, so be it. But I, I just, I just saw, you know, if if there's a way that I can uh, prevent somebody from catching. Anything, mm-hmm. anything on my set. It's just like, so I I did and um, I never looked back. I think it's, I don't even know that that is a part of the, you know, it, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you know, when you think about, you know, you're shooting superhero having sex, uh, superheroes having sex and they're wearing condoms. It's just, I don't even see it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not advocating. I don't think that, you know, I like people to have their own uh, approach, but yeah, you know, you, you know, again, I mean, I'm lucky because I'm in that position. If mm-hmm. I was uh, hustling to get gigs, uh, mm-hmm. like, hey guys, but condom only. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We'll okay, we'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but true. look, I won awards. Yeah, we'll call you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I'm very lucky, and and um, so yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been a uh, man. It's it's an interesting. You know what I find interesting? I find interesting when mainstream people, the way mainstream people uh, look at us and, mm-hmm. and A, their idea of what we do is completely different. They mm-hmm. imagine this, you know, I mean, we're all obviously having sex on set in between takes, you know. Yeah, and then, I uh, mean, as soon as this podcast you know, is over, I'm jumping Just the table. like that, just <laughs> like that. That's our life, right? And, you know, and the rest of the time, you know, I'm probably, you know, on a beach with naked girls feeding me grapes and watching. <laughs> I get up at six in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, come on. Yeah. So, you know, but, but, but also the way they think that it's so easy to shoot porn. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, and you know, it's not. No, it's not. We deal with, you know, I, you know, I have plenty of mainstream friends, and I see big movies being done. I'm like, oh, I like. They have no idea how complicated what we have to deal with. Yeah, everybody has a million jobs. 
You know, <sighs> so it's like you, you know, I you do everything. So who's your uh, who's your first ad? Oh, that's 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 Mark Kramer, and your PM. Oh, that's Mark Kramer too. And <laughs> what about your line producer, Mark Kramer? And and it's like <laughs> yeah, I I wanted to do this kind of like parody video where it was like meet the staff of Holly Randall, and then it was like. Director and it's like me and it's like right? me and it's of like course. every shot it's of me. Course. It's just like of I do course. everything. Of course, PA, me. You know, it's <laughs> it's um, I and and you know, I used to do most jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, for years you get to a point where you, if you're lucky to be in a place where you don't have to. But you know how to do your job better than anybody else. Yeah. It's a tremendous uh, tool to have, you yeah. know, because I mean, think about it. The day that you, you get in a place where you can do this, but you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you don't have to do that because it's like I need to focus more on this and I need to right. put more time on this. So, you know, when you're at the point where you're shooting video and you're going to delegate somebody else to do stills, which you can do better than anybody yes. in that spot. Yeah. And then you can see, just, you know, yeah. it's it's uh, the nature of the beast. Yeah, that's you know? the one thing I can't let go of, I have to admit. I can't right? let anybody else take the pictures. I know, I know. I just I can't. Know, I know. Because, like, I will find... When I did DP Star, actually, I had somebody taking... Um, photos of the girls, like against like a step and repeat, because I just didn't have the time, and uh, it was really hard for me to look at the pictures because I was like, oh man, this and I this know. and this. And look, you know, I, 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 you know, for the longest time, I always, sh- you know, on the big movies, I always shot the sex myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like to pick mm-hmm. up the camera and the sex as well because I just like it better, mm-hmm. and and it's, uh, you know, it's just like. I'm watching three monitors and like mm-hmm. just just doing myself, and sometimes I still do. You know, depending on what the movie is and what we're shooting with, and and mm-hmm. how you know, I shot some of the sex in Justice League. It, it's just sometimes it's hard because, you know, of course I want to be doing this, but I have to also be watching this this yeah. big instead of you know. It's yeah. just that there's a lot of stuff that, right. you know, especially when you have multiple cameras, and then I'm shooting this, I have no idea what they're shooting with the other camera. Yeah. I need to be seeing that so. But yeah, it's how many it's cameras do you though. usually shoot? You know, it really depends. It really depends. Usually two, sometimes three, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, one. I mean, it, it keeps fluctuating. When I when I started, there was always at least three cameras, mm-hmm. right? And and actually, how I I started uh, uh, directing came about because um, I was on the set. I wrote this movie back in 1990. It's called Fantasy Nights. I wrote it with my father. And it was the first thing that had my name on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we shot this movie. I mean, my father was producing, Henri Pachard was directing, and Alex Derenzi was director of photography. Like, back then, it couldn't get any better. It was like a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And we shot in San Francisco, and, uh, you know, I remember the catering people were grilling filet mignons. I mean, what wow. a different uh, era, yeah. right? Oh, and, man. I mean, just, it was Amazing, and this is already in the video era. Mm-hmm. But it was high end video. It was like I don't know. It was like a twelve day shoot. With right. a, you have all this, you know. Back then, you know, young Joy Silvera, young, uh, you know, I mean, Tom Byron was probably nineteen. <laughs> all these people, and uh, and uh, Samantha Strong. I mean, you name it. It was like the the who's who of porn at the time. Mm-hmm. Was, um, um, and. Uh, so so we were shooting this movie, and of course I wrote it, so I was attached to it. And my father, like, you want to offer me to be a BTS, do interviews. I'm mm-hmm. like, sure. I've never been 
kind of porn set until then. So mm-hmm. it, I thought it was a good way to, 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 to start looking into it because I wrote the movie and because, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing all these interviews and, of course, all the, the talent, they were all nice to me. Kind of like what happened with my son. You know, mm-hmm. you're young and mm-hmm. you're a kid that, you yeah. know, they, they take a liking to you and, and you know. Um, and they were shooting this scene with Tom Byron and Rachel Ryan, and I just, you know, when I wrote it back then, you you would write everything that happens in the sex scene in the script. Oh, really? <laughs> oh God, it was so, so different. Now it's like sex scene number one, girl, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back then, you would have a whole description because it was very important to have certain things, mm-hmm. you know, that in a specific way. And I just I saw, I saw, you know, I'm looking at these three monitors, and I'm like, Fuck, nobody has the. But what they they do in that shot, and you're always thinking, well, now this camera's gonna then the camera moves blah, 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 mm-hmm. and goes somewhere else. Like, oh, they're not getting the shot, but I'm not gonna tell my dad or yeah. uh, Henri Pachard or Alex Derenz, who was yeah. like a you know, like uh, so. I had my BTS camera, which was the same camera they were shooting, was a big uh, whatever Betamax, whatever it was. Right. Uh, and uh, I went up. There was a little loft, and I had a shot from above, and I just took the shot for the fuck of it, not because not because I wanted to put it in the movie, like. That's right. That's the shot that yeah. I wanted to see. And then when we were editing the movie, and my father, we were in the editing room with the editor, and like you know, crank, 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 and doing the, with the big VCRs. Um, and my father is like, um, "No, I really need you to put a shot from uh, from the top." And the editor was like, "Lasse, we don't we don't have it. Like it's impossible." I mean, but, and I'm thinking, "Well, you were there watching the monitors just like me. You didn't realize they didn't take it." But in his mind. He saw that mm-hmm. happening. He just didn't realize that they never took it. Because mm-hmm. when you have to watch three things, you're relying on something, then you're focusing on this, then something. It, it's hard. You know? yeah. that's, that's why at some point I went back to one camera because I'm like, I want to see just this one thing. And, mm-hmm. and you're missing something on the other side. And then when you edit, it's like, oh, my God. It's... So, so I, you know, I go like, you know, I, I think I have the shot. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, a real shot. Please just sit down. And like, no, but, but look, and yeah, yeah, keep looking. So I have a few minutes. Like, why don't you look in the, in my tapes? Like, uh, please, uh, really, I mean, we, we're not playing around here. We need a real uh, professional shot. <laughs> so I finally convinced him to look while he's like, they're like, you know, just uh, like, okay. And he goes, like, it's the shot. You got the shot. He got the shot. Did you see it? My son, blood of my blood. He has the <laughs> shot. Come here. Mwah. Amazing. And so from then on, he made me shoot all these movies, you know, for the same pay, <laughs> for the same PA salary, but I shot. So that's how I started shooting. Wow. So funny. So, so yeah. So, um, and Tom Byron was uh, on, on, on that show. And, uh, you know, these people were back then they were legends you mm-hmm. know porn was like you know i couldn't believe i'm here i'm hanging out with like joy silvera and uh you know and i just 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 awesome it was an awesome group of people and uh, uh you know yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how i got i don't know how i got to talking about the about the, <laughs> this but it, it's a it's a it's a funny story you yeah know? Uh, just 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 doing something because you just want to do it in a specific way yeah and then it opened up all so, those doors for you Three cameras, two, four. You know, I remember a digital playground a few years ago. They started showing like eight or nine cameras and getting people off of Craigslist to shoot. Yes, right? I remember heard. when they had that stuff. Yes, oh, wow, I wow. heard about there was one specific director. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Axel. It was thank you amazing. for having me. It was great being here. And, and uh, you know, and congratulations cool. on all your success. Thank and, you. and your work is amazing. And, thank uh, you. I'm proud to be on your podcast. Thank 
Thank you. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to see um, this new movie that comes out. And I'm actually going to probably, so Axel signed a bunch of DVDs for us that we're going to give away yeah. to our listeners. Um, but I think I might watch a couple of them tonight before nice. I do that because nice. I haven't seen them. Nice. And you know what's funny too is, you know, I'm just going to watch the dialogue of parts course. and fast forward through the no, sex. No, no. Look, I'll make it easier <laughs> for you. I always include a non-sex version of the movie in the DVD extras. Oh, okay, good. So you don't have to okay, do cool. that. Go on the second DVD <laughs> angle okay. for non-sex version. Okay, perfect. <laughs> You know, it's funny because normally my non-sex version is usually like, you know, like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, you have like, you know, five sex scenes. Right. So, you know, you you need to stay within it. And and then you go to Justice League is like an hour and 10 minutes. Wow. Insane. That's that's when you know, like, oh my God, that was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it. Same for Star Wars was like over an hour. So, yeah, um, crazy. Cool. Well, but, where yeah. can um, where can people find you on the internet, social um, media? com is my website. And uh, you know, Twitter is at Twitter at Axelbron and Instagram Axelbron. It's, uh, so you actually uh, got your actual I name. I actually got my name. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Twitter and Instagram. And please go into iTunes and rate and review this podcast if you like it. And make sure that you guys come back next week. Awesome. And of course, check out wickedpictures.com where you can find all my movies and all the other talented directors' movies. Of course. Wickedpictures.com, axelbron.com. Axel, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. See you next week, guys. Well, that guy has quite a story. Um, I found it so interesting that he's part of a three-generation legacy of adult filmmakers. Um, It's good to know that I'm kind of not the only one following in the shoes of the family business. And um, it was just really interesting to hear his take on how he directs, how he puts his movies together. Axel is one of the most uh, prolific and one of the most successful directors in our industry. So it was really fascinating to be able to pick his brain for a while. So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Next week on the show, we have MILF performer extraordinaire Alexis Fox joining us. Um, She is so much fun, such a bundle of joy and energy, and she's just somebody who I always love being around. And we're going to get to know her a little bit better. So make sure that you tune in next week for Alexis Fox on Holly Randall Unfiltered. <laughs> <laughs>